Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the young adult ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. Okay, I see how y'all doing it in Fusion Norcross. What is up, Fusion? Come on, we can do better than that. What's happening? That's what I'm talking about, man. We get a chance to be in the presence of God tonight, y'all. You know what I'm saying? We get a chance to experience his love and his grace and his truth in this place. If we can't get excited about that, I don't know what we can get excited about. All right? So listen, man, I am super excited to be in the place with y'all tonight. Big shout out to my bro Vance and Gabrielle. They are on their honeymoon. So big shout out to them. They got married this past weekend, so I get a chance to hang with y'all tonight. Is that cool? Awesome. So make sure after tonight y'all tell Vance I did a good job. I want to represent for my boy that night, all right? So I'm super excited for them. They're doing their honeymoon. They're doing their thing. But I believe that tonight is going to be awesome. And listen, God desires for us to be transformed tonight. Do you believe that? I believe that he desires to transform some lives tonight. Every time we're in his presence, that's his goal, to transform our lives. And so I think that's going to happen uh, tonight, man. How many of y'all want to leave this place at least one step closer? One step closer, right? You want to leave this place at least one step closer in your walk with Christ. How many of y'all want to leave this place at least one step closer being able to live out the promises of God in your life? Amen, amen to that, right? And so listen, so throughout the summer, uh, we're taking this journey discussing and learning some best life practices that will help us to make the continual shift from just being believers to becoming disciples, all right? So we want to make that continual shift to be someone who will be passionately committed to Jesus, someone who will have extraordinary love for people, someone who will have a heart of a servant, right? We want to make that continual shift to be someone who will be sensitive and submitted to the Holy Spirit, someone who will be governed by the authority of God's word. We want to be someone who will live morally pure, someone who will be evangelistically bold, someone who will engage in biblical community. Come on, somebody. We want to be someone who will shift from just playing church to being people who will be just and generous, to be someone who will live on purpose. Amen? And so as believers in Christ, we should strive to demonstrate this in our lives every single day. Every single day we should strive to not only be hearer and hearer of, the God, of God's word, but also doers of God's word. So James, Jesus' brother, says it like this, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, somebody say free. Free. And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Come on, somebody. How many of you want God to pour his blessings just all up and through your life? Right? And listen, we can, we can thank James, honestly, because he gives us a picture of it right here. 
We can thank James. He gives us a solution, right? He gives us a recipe, and it's to simply listen and obey, hear and do. That's what he's saying we need to do. So, you know, we can measure the effectiveness uh, of our Bible study time. We can measure the effectiveness of the amount of quality time that we get to spend connecting to God's heart by the effect it has on our behavior and our attitudes. And so, in fact, if I can be completely honest with you tonight, um, I didn't do very well with this recently. Um, I had a disagreement with someone, and I became superheated in that moment. But when I look back, and when it's all said and done, and I look back, and I reflected on the situation, I was challenged with these, these questions. Why did what that person have to say make me so angry? Why what was said push me towards not wanting to walk in love. Why in that moment did I not have a desire to extend the grace and mercy that God extends to me? Why was I not able to live out James 1.19 and be slow to speak, slow to anger, and quick to listen? Right? So quick side note, have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and all you can think about while the other person is talking is what you have to say next. We all do that, don't we? Let's just keep it real, right? And then we take it another step further and interrupt them and then we're like, bro, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yes, you did. We did, you, you did mean to interrupt me, dog. Or I meant to interrupt you because I do it all the time, right? But here's what we don't realize. When we talk too much and listen too little, we communicate to others that what we have to say is more important than what they have to say. Right? That's, that's truth. So we need to be able to slow down and we need to be able to get to a place to where we can show people that we value what they have to say, that we value their viewpoint. All right? So that was just a quick side note. Okay. So back when I reflected on the situation, um, I was also challenged with the questions of, why couldn't I see that person through the lens that God sees them? Why was I being led by flesh and not by the Holy Spirit? And the Holy Spirit brought to my attention, TJ, when was the last time you rested in my presence? When was the last time you rested in my presence? Now, I'm not just talking about acknowledging God throughout the day. You know, I'm not talking about worshiping God, you know, on the weekend service or when you come here on a Tuesday night, I'm talking about quality, uninterrupted, focused, intentional time in my prayer sunroom, waiting and listening for God's voice, connecting to the heart of God. When was the last time you did that? I didn't have an answer. See, I let the busyness of life, right, work and personal, keep me from spending quality time and giving my stress and my mess in return for his rest. My spiritual tank was empty, y'all. My tolerance was low. I was ready to snap at any moment. My tolerance was low because I hadn't spent time connecting to the heart of God, quality time. I hadn't spent time in his presence. See, when you spend quality time with God, you leave those moments changed. You don't leave those moments the same. And what happens is his character rubs off on us 
And when you go out into the world, you're able then to be a reflection of who he is, no matter the situation or the circumstance. That's what happens when you are having quality time in the presence of God. You're able to overcome the fiery darts that Satan throws at you. You're able to overcome the lies and the tricks and the temptations, right? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you will never get angry. I'm not even saying you shouldn't get angry, right? But when your anger keeps you from being a doer of the word, you have to check yourself. Tell your neighbor, you better check yourself. You better check yourself, right? And so listen, I want you to remember this the next time your faith is tested. The next time you're ready to snap on somebody or cuss somebody out, come on. Or the next time your ego is attacked or you feel disrespected, remember, are you reflecting Jesus in that moment? Right? Are you reflecting Jesus in that moment? Okay? So listen, I want to push the questions to you. How often do you put into action what you study? How often do you have personal quality time with your heavenly father? How often are you connected to God's heart? How often do you listen and obey? A lot of us just listen, but we don't obey. How often are you a hearer and a doer? These are real questions that we need to reflect on and that we need to think through. Because, see, genuine faith transforms our lives. Genuine faith transforms our lives. And so Jesus actually encourages us to do what? He encourages us to put our faith into action. He encourages us to make his truth a part of our daily lives. As Christians, what we do, what we say, what we think about, how we treat other people should always reflect who Jesus is. Did y'all hear that? As Christians, that's what we should be doing. Living out faith and living out God's truth is where your focus needs to be. And I want to encourage you to make sure your faith, listen, is more than just a statement. I want to make sure your faith is more than just a statement. Your faith should also result in action. In action. Can you agree with that tonight? So I want to talk to you a little bit more about your walk with Christ, how that looks when your faith is tested. How that looks when your faith is tested. And God is funny sometimes, man, because I believe he wants me to speak this message tonight because I am in a season of testing. I'm in a season of testing. So I said, God, you real funny. When I started prepping the message and started going down this road, I said, okay, I see what you're trying to do. But I'm in a season where my faith is being tested. And, li- and listen, there's just a lot of movement pieces in my life right now. And I am, if I can be honest, I am in a place where I'm having to really dig deep to, to be intentional about having my quality time with God. I'm in a place where I have to dig deep and where I have to persevere at times. Because here's something you need to know. The Christian life, there's going to be trials and there's going to be tests. And if anyone has ever told you otherwise, if anybody ever told you that becoming a Christian, life will be perfect, they lied. 
that is far from the truth. Right? So we're going to talk a little bit more uh, about why it's important that we live out the Christian faith, why the Christian faith is worth dying for. Okay? So when trials and troubles come your way, how does your walk with Jesus change? How does it change? How does it look? Do you embrace the trial and test and put your faith into action? Or do you retreat and fall back into a place to where you're living by sight and no longer by faith? Which one are you? Which one would you rather be? See, trials and tests will illuminate if you're someone who talks the Christian faith, you talk the talk, or lives the Christian's faith, you walk the walk, right? How many of you know trials and tests will put you on blast real quick? Real quick. Anyone ever went through a trial or anyone currently in a trial, right? And you realize, yo, this just got real super quick, right? Trials and tests, they, they do that, right? But you're not alone, okay? You're not alone. So to unpack this, I want to dive a little deeper into the book of James because he gives a great recipe for how to live in true faith, genuine faith, and steadfast faith. And he just does a great job of uh, speaking to the realities of a living faith in Jesus. And here's one of the realities, again, that you need to come face to face with as, as a Christian. There will be trials. There will be tests. Your faith will be tested. We have to come to that reality. So my hope for tonight is to, to hopefully give you some guidance that will help on our path to continually shift from just living as a believer to living as a disciple, living and walking with God, not just acknowledging him and hearing his truths. So when your faith is tested, I believe you must learn to embrace the trial. Embrace the trial. Read with me from James 1, 2 through 4, just to hear the encouragement and hope that he gives to the Jewish Christian communities during that time, and also the um, encouragement that he's given to us right now, okay? It says, James 1, 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, James wrote this letter to encourage the 12 tribes who were basically an offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, okay? And so the 12 tribes, they were actually descendants from Jacob's 12 sons, okay? So persecution is getting heavy in Jerusalem, and so the tribes, they scatter all over the place. They leave Jerusalem to go share the gospel in different parts of the Roman Empire, okay? So James is writing this letter encouraging them to keep the faith in difficult times, in times of persecution, times of trials, okay, times of temptations. He's writing them, encouraging them, keep the faith, right? So he's saying, count it all joy with everything going on around you. Even though you're surrounded by these trials, it's the tests, it's the testing of faith that creates a perseverance in you. 
It's the testing of faith that creates a perseverance in you. See, God uses trials to make you stronger. He uses trials to make you more steadfast. So if you can learn to persevere, if you can learn to let perseverance have its perfect work in you, as the scripture said, you will become mature and complete, right? And please know that the trial, understand this, the trials you go through is not a waste. They're not a waste. And they're not a coincidence. Because God wants to and will use those trials in your life. And if you can take courage in knowing that God is involved in your trial, you're going to do what you need to do. Tell your neighbor, God is with you. He's with you. He's in your trial. And I don't know about you guys, but when I think of trials from this perspective, it helps me to understand the why, the why behind the what. It helps me to understand why it's important to embrace trials we go through. And I believe that God wants you guys to look at trials from this perspective as well because of how it will benefit your life. How it will benefit your life, how your life will turn out, has a lot to do with the trials and the tests that you embrace. So just so you know this, I don't know if anyone has ever told you this before, but God cares about you. He cares about your life. He cares about what happens to your life. He cares about what you do. He's a loving father who wants to see you blessed in everything that you put your hands to. In everything that you do, he wants to see you blessed. So know that he cares about you. So as we, as we talk about faith being tested, I think about what the word tested meant to silversmiths back then. And so the way that silversmiths, the way that they would test silver, they would get a bunch of silver and they would throw it in a pot, right? They would turn a fire up under it, heat it up, okay? And at a certain temperature, all the impurities would rise to the top. And so what they would do at that point is they would kind of scoop or scrape the impurities from the silver. And they would continue to do this over and over again, heating the silver up, scooping and scraping the impurities until the silver was tested and pure. And here's how they knew, check this out. Here's how they knew that the silver was tested because they could look down and see their own reflection in the silver. So I love this process that the silversmiths took because it's a good visual and reminder for how God is working in our lives. And so it's this idea of him taking us through these trials in our lives, which brings out the impurities so he can scoop and scrape them and move them out of the way, right? And it's the idea of that one day God will be able to look down on us and see his reflection in us when he look at us, right? And that's where we want to be, right? We want to be in a place where we're becoming more and more like him, right? Where we're becoming complete, not lacking in anything. And that's what James 1.4 is talking about when it says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything, right? Here's the point. The point is 
not to pretend to be happy when we face pain, right? But to have a positive outlook because of what trials can produce in our lives. That's the trick. That's one of the tricks to help us to get through and persevere through, right? Think about where our life will be after the trial and the test is over. Think about the progress we'll make in our lives, in our relationship with Jesus, when we embrace the trials that he's using to get us right. So that's the point, okay? And hear me when I say this, because this is important. We can't really know the depth of our character until we see how we react under pressure. That's real, ain't it? We can't, we can't really know who we really are, what's really inside of us, until we're under pressure. Until we're under pressure. So God isn't in the business, y'all, of just making you happy. God is in the business of making you holy, right? He's in the business of making you holy. He wants you to be a reflection of him. And it's the trials and it's the tests and it's the sufferings that makes you more like Christ. That's what gets us to, to the point to where he wants us to be. So let this encourage you, okay? When you go through trials, let your focus to be to look more and more like him every day and not so much on your situation. Let yourself be tested and purified so God can begin a work in you, so he can begin to see his reflection when he looks at you. I believe when your faith is tested, it's important to be aware of temptation. It's important to be aware of temptation, and you need to understand where temptation comes from. So earlier we talked about the fact that going through trials is a reality of Christian life, okay? But you also need to know that temptation is a part of the Christian life as well. Anybody ever been tempted in here? Okay. Anybody a Christian in here? <laughs> right? It's a part of life. So again, you're not exempt. Somebody say, I'm not exempt. <laughs> right? You're not exempt from trials and temptations as a Christian. In fact, you will probably experience more. For two reasons, let me, let me tell them to you. Number one, when you become a Christian, you put yourself in a position for God to develop you, purify you, hold a fire under you to get rid of those impurities in your heart and your soul so he can get you ready to be used by him in a greater capacity. And then number two, man, you now have a target on your back by the enemy, Satan, who's actually trying to stop you from being used by God. So if anything, man, we got it double time, right? And so, you know, there are Christians today who often wonder, well, where do temptations come from? How do I get temptations? Is it God who tempts me? Right, some of you may have some of those questions. Is it God who tempts me or, or what is it? I'm here to debunk the lie that Satan wants you to believe about God. See, God will test you, but he will not tempt you or seduce you to sin. There's a difference. 
God cannot and will not be associated with anything that will lead you opposite of his word. Think about that. Think about any time you have to make a decision and you're feeling like, hey, I feel like I need to go this way. When you make that decision, how is that decision going to impact your relationship with Christ? Right? Am I compromising anything? Those are just good thoughts to have when you have to make decisions in your life. What does that look like for my relationship with Jesus? Now, here's the truth that Satan doesn't want you to know. That it is him. He's the one who tempts and entices you. He don't want you to know that, though, but you know right now, right? (laughs) Now, one of the ways that God will test you is by allowing Satan to tempt you in order to refine you and help you to grow in your dependence on Christ. Now, he will do that. But here's what I love about God, man. He's so cool. I love this. I love that he's always, he always has our best interests in mind. Always. Because even though he will allow Satan to tempt you at times, guess what? He will give you the strength you need to resist the temptation and make a better choice towards his word. That's how awesome God is. Right? And so he made sure we understood this. Now, through Paul in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he says, check this out, no temptation has overtaken you except what is coming to mankind. And then it says, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Let me read that again. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. Somebody say way out. How many times when you're tempted and you about to do something crazy, you're like, give me a way out of this. Even if you continue to move down that path and do it, your initial thought was, I shouldn't be doing this. (laughs) Give me a way out of this. Right? But if we let him, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So here's the encouragement you can get from this scripture, okay? Wrong desires and temptations happen to everybody. So don't think that you're being singled out when you're going through this stuff, right? Because sometimes when we're going through stuff, we get the thoughts of, man, I'm the only one dealing with this. Man, I'm the only one going through this. You're not. That's what Satan wants you to believe. You're not the only one going through this stuff, right? Okay, the second one is, people have overcome temptation. I know plenty of people who have said, you know what, that's not cool, that's not good, I'm not going down that road. I'm going down this way. There's plenty of people that can do it, so guess what? You can do it too. And lastly, any temptation. Any is, this is a big word, okay? Any temptation can be resisted. Any. That's a big word. So what that's telling us is that one temptation is not bigger than the other, right? One sin is not bigger than the other. Temptation is temptation. 
It says any temptation can be resisted. Why? Because God will help you to resist it. He will help you to resist it. Now, here's what James does. Now, James also teaches us something that we shouldn't do as a result of temptation, okay? He says in chapter 1, verses 13 to 14, that when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. So if he's telling us this, then that means that people actually think this, right? I know that sometimes it can sound like common sense, but sometimes it isn't. Sometimes you just don't know what you don't know, okay? So he's saying, uh, no one should say God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted, listen to this, when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Man, right? So James is telling us in this scripture, don't you dare say, like, don't you dare. Like, you know how y'all girls be like, boo. Like, that's what, that's what he's saying right now. Don't you dare, boo. Right? Don't you dare say that God is tempting you. Don't tell nobody I did that. Right? <laughs> don't you dare make this about God is what he's saying. And listen, we don't like to admit this, but temptation comes from the evil desires inside of us. They don't come from God. Inside of us, not from God. And let's just be honest. Let's be 100 right now, okay? Sometimes, and I'm sure you agree with this, sometimes it's easier to blame shift. It's easier to shift the blame and make excuses for our wrong actions, isn't it? Right? We tend to make excuses. I'm just going to read some of them off to you, okay? Number one, God is tempting me. It's God who's tempting me, right? Man, I just couldn't help it, dog. I couldn't, I couldn't help it, bro. She was looking good. Come on, I've been there. Everybody's doing it. How many times have we used that? Everybody's doing it. Come on. It was just a mistake. Bro, I was pressured into it. Dog. I, couldn't even, I couldn't escape it. I couldn't get out of it. I was pressured into it. Right? Nobody's perfect. Man, how many times we run that into the ground? <laughs> Nobody's perfect. I'm so tired of hearing that. Like, I know I ain't perfect. That's, we gotta, we can't keep using that excuse. Nobody's perfect. We know that. Jesus was the only one who was perfect on the earth, right? Then this is the big one we like to use. The devil made me do it. Come on. Y'all know I ain't lying. How many times, how long are we gonna give the devil the credit? I'm so tired of giving him credit, right? Some people be like, the devil got me fired from my job today. Man, you lost your job because you were late 15 times and you got caught scrolling on Instagram doing work hours. That's why you got fired on your day off. I had to throw that, I had to throw that in there. I had, I had to throw that in there. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I had to throw that in there. Right? Some people be like, the devil made me sick. 
bro, you sick because you've been serving in children's ministry with some snotty-nosed kids. No offense if your kids and my kids in there too. Probably getting y'all sick, right? The devil got me evicted from my apartment. Bro, you got evicted from your apartment because you took your whole rent check to try to go floss and flex at your homecoming at your alma mater. That's why you on the streets. Come on. Excuses. But in all, all seriousness, though, right, we, we've all experienced that feeling of wanting something we shouldn't have. We've all experienced that, that feeling of, you know, wanting to go and grab something, and, and we shouldn't do it, and we just do it anyway. We want to do it anyway. But that's even more of a reason why we have to let God remove the impurities in our lives. That's one of the reasons why we have to let God help us to take control of our flesh. James 115.16 says this. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Think about a snowball rolling down the hill. As it rolls down the hill, it does what? It gets bigger, right? It pulls in more snow. So it gets bigger, it gains more momentum, and it becomes more destructive, right? That's what happens with sin. That's what happens with sin. It gains momentum in our lives, and it becomes more destructive if we don't deal with it. It becomes destructive if we let it have its way with us. I believe one of the best ways to allow God to help us with temptation is fasting. Anybody ever fasted before? It's fasting. When I'm fasting, when I'm consecrating myself and putting aside the things that hinder me from connecting to God's heart, right? Once I have began, begun to consecrate and put my flesh in the check, guess what happens? All my impurities come to the surface. But here's the good thing about my impurities coming to the surface. Now God can deal with them because they're no longer hidden. Right? When they come up to the surface, now he can scoop and scrape and get you right. He can scoop and scrape and get you to the place to where you're a reflection of him. We got to want this. And that's why I think sometimes God requires us to fast and pray about things. Sometimes there are things he wants us to fast and pray about, not just pray. Because here's why. Because we can access the desires of God's heart much quicker when we put aside the roadblocks to his heart. And when we get our flesh in check, when we start consecrating ourselves, we start putting away food and social media, music, movies, whatever it is that you deal with that can tend to have a hold on you, once we start putting that stuff to the side, now God can say, you know what? Okay, you ready? I can give you some access. Let me deal with you. Let me help you, okay? 
So I don't know what temptation or lure or what you're going through, what's before you, but I want to encourage you and close with this point. I want to close the point with some hope from James 1.17. I love scripture because when you begin to see scripture as hope, it, it changes your world. When you read your Bible, man, think about it as hope. When you read your Bible, think about like, man, this is the word of God. The word of God is alive. That's one of my prayers when I pray, when I read the Bible. God, let the power of your word come alive in my life. Like his word is alive. It's not just some old book that our grandmas keep on the coffee table. Right? It's alive, man. So here, I want to read this to you, and I want you, to, I want you to be encouraged by this. It says, every good and perfect gift, man, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So I want to encourage you to don't be deceived by the temptation you're faced with. Don't be deceived, man. Go towards God. Go towards God. What he gives you will fulfill you. What God gives you will not bring regret. You know how you can tell sometimes when you do something or you buy something or whatever, and you end up feeling regretful about it? That probably means you shouldn't have bought it or you shouldn't have did it, right? Because there's... Regret does not come with God. He doesn't come with regret, okay? So, and just remember this too, that the promises of pleasure, the promises of pleasure will cause you to put up roadblocks to God's heart. To put up roadblocks to God's heart. Every good and perfect thing comes from him. Every good and perfect thing comes from God. I want to quickly touch on this last point or thought, but I believe it truly pleases God when we take the time to witness and share the gospel with other people while our own faith is being tested. I think it's sacrificial and I think it pushes us towards the love of God. I think it pushes us towards God's heart. How many of you know that God cares about people? He's in the people business. He cares about you. And if we can be honest with ourselves, most, most times, man, when we're not, we're not thinking of anyone else when we're going through it, right? We are zoomed in on our situation. And most of the time, we're trying to figure out how you got in the situation, why you're in it, and how you can get out of it. We're not trying to take the time to embrace the trial like we just talked about earlier. But here's what I want you to hear tonight. Even in the midst of whatever is going on in your life, whatever you're going through, man, we must figure out a way to look above our situation. Whatever we have to do, we have to figure out a way to look above our situation 
so we can care for the needs and care for the heart and the soul for other people. We got to figure out how to do that, okay? Think, think about what that would do for your soul. What would it look like to put God's word above yourself? That's what we should be doing every day. What does that look like? What would it look like to show God that fulfilling his command that he gave us called the Great Commission is more important than our progress in life? What if we show God that the Great Commission is more important than our situation, our feelings, how we feel? What would that look like? When Jesus commanded us, that's a strong word, he commanded us with the Great Commission. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. See, witnessing has to go beyond our words. It has to go beyond our words. Our actions are also an important vehicle for demonstrating God's heart and demonstrating the impact it has on our lives when we live with God. So we can't, we, we have to talk about it and be about it. We gotta do both. Right, we've gotta do both. So I wanna share a quick story with you. So I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm in this season of, you know, my faith just being tested. That's just where I'm at, all right? Um, so I had a chance to go on a missions trip to LA a couple weeks ago. And um, I don't know if you've ever, ever been to L.A., but, you know, we were driving down Hollywood Boulevard, okay? And that's where the Walk of Fame, you ever heard of Walk of Fame? So that's where the Walk of Fame is. They, they have all the, the stars engraved into the, you know, the cement, the, the sidewalk or whatnot. So we're at a red light, okay? And I look over to my right, and there's a guy who just makes a noise like, ah! Like he's in pain, like he's hurt, like something is wrong with this dude. So we look to the right, I look to the right, he's got it, he's rubbing his head, he, you know, he began to push his head, you know, between his legs, and then all of a sudden this guy just falls over off the chair. He's laid out on Hollywood Boulevard, like laid out. And here's what's crazy, everyone just stops and looks at him. Nobody helps him. I guess everybody was just waiting to see why I guess he, that person is going to help him. Nobody stops and helps him. And I promise you, I'm not exaggerating. I seen a group of three to four people step over this dude, and they just kept walking. Nobody stopped to help this guy. That's what's crazy. Now, like, I can understand like, if the guy was homeless, right? The guy didn't look homeless, and I can understand, like, you know, some hesitation that you might have approaching somebody who's homeless because you don't know what is going on, you know, in their mind or whatever. But to my knowledge, this guy was not homeless. So thankfully, by the time the light changed, the dude got up and he walked away. But I thought to myself, I said, man, 
I should have done something to help that dude. You know what I mean? Here I am. Let's just keep it real. Here I am, a pastor, number one. Number two, I'm on a missions trip. What's the mission? To save some people. You know what I mean? Like, that's crazy. Like, I could not stop thinking about it the whole night. I didn't do anything to help this guy. I'm just looking at him. He tripping, bro. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, I justified and I made excuses. But in those situations, man, like, we got to find a way to show the love of Jesus to people in those situations. Like, I don't care if I'm at a red light. You know, I don't care if I'm with other people. I can pull the van over. You know what I mean? Like, we got to find a way to witness, to not neglect our witness. Because you never know. Like, that could have been the day, if this guy didn't know Christ, that could have been the day he was introduced to Jesus. Right? That could have been the day that he just got introduced to Jesus, and that was the day he prayed and said, you know what, God? Show me that you're real, man, and I'll follow you for the rest of my days. That could have been the day where he was feeling alone in the world. That could have been the day that God was like, you know what? You're not alone. I'm with you. God could have used me to do all that. Right? But I made excuses. I justified. Okay? I let my situation keep me from putting my faith into action. We got to lift our heads above our situation and let God use us even when we're in trials and temptations and tests and season of testing. God still can use us. People still need to be healed. People still need to be saved and set free. People still need to know who Jesus is. People still need salvation. That's above us. I want to leave you with this, okay? We're going to do something cool real in a second, but I want to leave you with this, okay? When your faith is tested, will you embrace the trial? When your faith is tested, will you try to be more aware of temptation? When your faith is tested, will you continue to witness Will you continue to share the gospel? Does this sound like something you can grab a hold of? Does this, does this sound like something that you can receive tonight? Something that you can apply to your life? Right? You can do this, man. You can do this. Before we go into our moment, man, let's just, let's just take a moment and... Um, we're going to get ready to do something really cool here. But I just want y'all to know God loves y'all, man. He does. He has a plan and he has a purpose for your life. And I know you probably hear that all the time. But he does. He wants to scoop and he wants to scrape. He wants to scoop and he wants to scrape. He wants to scoop and he wants to scrape all the impurities out. So we can look more like him. So when he looks at us, can you imagine that? God looking at you and he and him seeing himself? Like that's the place we need to be. 
That's what we need to be striving for. So listen, we're going to close with this. The worship team is going to just close us out with a, with a song. And listen, before we leave, I just want you to have a moment tonight. I talked about the busyness of life. Man, we let life, we get so busy. We don't spend quality time with God, man. We make decisions we shouldn't make. We do things we shouldn't do. I want us to just have a real moment today before you leave this place, man. Have a real, genuine moment. Where is your life with Jesus? Where, where are you in your relationship with Christ? So I want to give you some questions to think about as, as the worship team closes us out. But how has God been refining you? These are questions I want you to think about tonight and also throughout the week. Be praying to God about these things. Talk to God about these things. Let these, these questions marinate. How has is, how is he been refining you? Has he been burning away some impurities? Has he been scooping and scraping? What is he getting rid of? And how are you growing through that process? How are you reacting? to him scooping and scraping those impurities out of your life. And what would your life look like, man, if you begin to just consider what James said and counting your trials and your tests, counting it all joy. Thinking about the big why behind what you're going through, embracing the trial. So I just want you to reflect on that tonight. We're gonna close with a song, amen? Thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit fusionatl.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.